Good evening, and welcome to a slightly shorter edition of Wednesday night's BAMS Radio. I, Thomas Watts, the general producer, will not be with you for very long because I have an exam that starts at 8.15 and runs to 10.15. I, I don't really know why you do that to any thinking, rational human being, but obviously my professors are not rational human beings. But... We will have an hour's worth of Tide Talk from Drew DiArmond. I've got him on the line right now. Drew, how you doing this evening? Good, Thomas. It's good to be with you. And uh was a sweet win last week, and i got to give you a lot of credit, my brother. Uh, you called this one uh, pretty much up and down. You said it would be a, a massacre, and pretty much it was, my friend. Well, you know, Shane Ray did try and massacre Blake Sims, <laughs> but uh, that, that's about that, – that was – Oh, my God. I, I will have to say, watching Missouri fans' Twitter reactions, Missouri should be ashamed of themselves, but props to Gary Pinkle for saying in his press conference, my coaches saw it and thought it was targeting. Yeah, I really – and that's why I like Gary Pinkle. Hello. Excuses. We got you, Gary. Uh, we just, we're, we're joined by Kerry Clark. Kerry, do you have us right now? Kerry had a little Skype issue. Oh, no. Okay, I'm gonna have to work with Gary before I leave for my exam. Drew, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, but it was just, a, it was a great win uh, for Alabama. Uh, very good performance. I felt like you could argue it may have been the best uh, performance of the season, offensively and defensively on both sides of the football. Uh, I think the football team, as I've said all year on this show, has continued to get better and better and improve. And uh, I, I'm I'm just really excited, you know, about the possibilities for this football team. Uh, and this is, you know, I, it's it's been it's such been sustained excellence under Nick Saban. But uh, I really uh, this is my favorite team of the Nick Saban era. I'm just really proud of these guys. Uh, it's not the most talented group, as Coach Saban it says, but the the chemistry is there. Uh, there's no jealousy on the team. Even with the receiving core, you look at Amari Cooper with the year he's had, but they're not all worried about you know him catching 115 balls. Uh, they you know they're all DeAndre White, Christian Jones, Chris Black. They're all blocking for him, and the bottom line is they're happy for him. And and, the, and to be honest, as I'll quote Brent Musburger, he's a little LeBron James of college football this year, and really I think the best player in America. Yeah. I'm trying to get Carrie to come through, but but his speakers are down. Okay, I can hear him. I yeah. guess he obviously can't hear can't hear us. Uh, j- just a little more about the show. Uh, apologize to our normal callers. I'm actually about to leave my computer because I have to drive to campus to take this exam, and it's just going to be Carrie and Drew. So it's just going to be the two of them tonight. But we'll be back, you know, ready and rare, and we'll, we'll we might go a little extra next week to make up for it. We'll see how the news evolves, but. Anyway, Drew, while I'm trying to help carry, I do want to give my quick take on the SEC title game. And yes. I absolutely... Carrie, can you hear us? Yeah. Great. <laughs> when, I I updated, picked... when I updated my Skype, it gave me a new set of speakers I didn't know I had. So when I went to the drop-down menu, like, you constructed me on the... Anyway, I'm here. Welcome, everybody. Great. Great. Radio, roll tide. Thomas, go take your test. We got it. All right. Y- y'all have a good show, and I've already told Drew what to do. So roll okay. tide, folks. Roll Tide, Thomas. Absolutely. Roll Tide, Thomas Watts. Thank you, my brother. Yeah, I didn't know when you updated your Skype that you uh, received a new set of speakers, and now I'm on the right speakers. So we're good, uh, and I'm glad to be here. Welcome, everybody, to BAMS Radio. Uh, I am Terry Clark with The, the Late Comer with Scout.com, and I'm joined, as always, by Drew DeArmond of Alabama Intel. 
Uh, they probably already explained to you that uh, we're kind of doing BAMs Unplugged tonight because we don't have bumper music. We don't have, uh, not, we won't now that Thomas is gone. We won't have uh, spots or anything like that. Uh, we'll read an ad or two here and there, but uh, basically it's going to be an hour of Carrie and Drew uh, breaking down all things Bama. And by all things, I mean the SEC Championship, the upcoming uh, playoffs, uh, recruiting, a lot of that going on. Basketball is in full sway, and uh, a bunch of honors and awards uh, taking place uh, even tonight as we speak. So, Drew, there's you know no shortage of things to talk about, uh, even though we're not able to take calls tonight, unfortunately, because Thomas uh, – has to go take the final exam in South Alabama through no fault of his. The teacher changed it. But I think you and I will have plenty to talk about for the next 55 minutes. Uh, no doubt about that. As I was telling Carrie, I mean, excuse me, Thomas, before you came on, Carrie, uh, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I'm just really uh, proud of this football team, uh, what they've accomplished, obviously getting to the playoff. They're, they're the number one team in the country right now. And they, but to me, they've earned this whole deal, I mean, from the, from the get-go. Uh, they've done a great job of bouncing back, showing resolve after a game against Ole Miss in which I'm watching number 17 run down the sideline right now on SEC Network against uh, uh, Florida Atlantic. If they had been able to keep him healthy, I don't think Ole Miss even wins that game. But they've overcome that. And they've even. And then uh, uh, one factor that's really not even being talked about much is they also played without his replacement, uh, you know, our Darius Stewart in the SEC championship game. And I have to give Thomas Watts credit once again. You know, I, I, it's before you came on, I told him, I said, you called this one, my brother. And he did. It was a total mismatch. I mean, uh, they were able to – basically the only way Missouri was able to move the football was on three or four uh, improv, improvisational deep balls. You know, Alabama continues to have issues defending the deep ball. But besides that, Alabama's run defense was spectacular, very physical. Uh, you know, Jaron Reed, Ashawn Robinson were grown men. Uh, they did a great job, you know, Xavier Dixon setting the edge. And then what I loved is, except for two or three plays in the game, I thought Blake Sims was just absolutely spectacular and was very efficient. And it, and to me, I just, I'm excited, Kerry, because I think Blake's just getting better and better. And I, I, the only thing I regret now is he doesn't have another year. I mean, it would have been something to see what he could have done, uh, you know, in, in two years at the helm of Alabama's offense. And I just told this to, to Thomas. Uh, they've announced all these all-SEC teams. He's made second team, and who would have even thought that before the season? But to, in all distinct honesty, he should have made first team. I know Dak ran for more yards, but Blake Sims' team won the SEC championship. He's broken almost every single-season passing record besides touchdowns. And to me, that he should have been rewarded for that and for beating Dak head-to-head. But still, what a great journey for, for uh, Big Hero 6. Oh, yeah. He, he's the story of the year in the Southeastern Conference. There's not any doubt about that, Drew. And I'm hoping, uh, and, I, and I'm told that it's going to happen, but I'm hoping they go ahead and make it official that the he gets a senior yeah. bowl invite. I was also hoping he'd be player of the year in the conference, but – uh, he was not uh, the offensive player of the year by both the AP and the coaches nah. was uh, Amari Cooper, which, I mean, that's deserved as well. I guess I was just kind of hoping Blake would get it in one of them. Um, but anyway, but, hey, it's the story of the year in the FCC in my book. Like a guy that his own fan base wrote off, myself included, wrote him off. And, well, and, and, and I handed the job to Jake Coker, and Blake Sims kind of Lee Corsoed me and said, uh, not so fast, my friend. Well, he did just about everybody, you know. I, 
about the only people that I – and I'll give him credit that I know very well that basically thought he would be the starter throughout, you know, was, was to be honest, was uh, Wes Neighbors. I mean, he, he actually – he thought from the jump he had a chance to be the starter. Uh, you know, William Barger had talked about him, you know, competing for the job. But, you know, he I think he was like everybody else. He thought Coker would ultimately win it until he saw some scrimmages in the spring and in the and in early fall. But even then, uh, you remember the reports coming out of fall by the before the second scrimmage, everybody thought Coker had made his move. And then once again, Blake said, not so fast. But um, I just really think that I, – I, I just sort of wish the SEC had an overall MVP and then an offensive player of the year. Cause to me, the overall MVP is Blake Sims, and it's not close because – I know, you know, Omari Cooper had 15 or 1,600 yards receiving carry and set an SEC record with 115 catches. But somebody has to throw him the ball, and they threw for almost 1,600 or did throw for about 1,600 more yards besides that. So I've heard people discount, you know, try to discount Blake and say, well, if he didn't have Omari Cooper, well, I, I, he, I thought he did a dadgum good job, you know, regardless of the situation. And to me, that's just sour grapes when you look like an idiot when a lot of people – you know, everybody had written him off, and you're just trying to save face there. But to me, he deserves all the credit in the world, and I just hope that he can uh, finish this journey. Yeah, I, if you don't mind, Drew, I want to read a column. It's a short column that John Archibald of AL.com wrote about Blake six days ago. Sure, sure. And uh, it, it's called Blake Sims Finally Earned Spot Among Bama Beloved with Heart, Example, and Storybook Season. And he actually wrote this before the championship game. Right. But John Archibald is normally a political columnist, but he was so touched and moved by what Blake accomplished this year, he thought that he would write this editorial opinion. So let me read what John Archibald wrote. I'm going to read it word for word. It's got a phrase toward the end that I think is just gold, though. Uh, here's what he says. It doesn't matter what happens Saturday. He's talking about the SEC game. Blake Sims already did the impossible, the improbable anyway. He didn't just win the starting job at quarterback at Alabama, though that was more than anyone thought he'd do. He did not merely lead his team to a number one ranking at the end of the regular season. He did not just match A.J. McCarron, stat for stat, and almost everything but ego. (laughs) Blake Sims did more than that. He made Alabama love him when Alabama desperately wanted to love somebody else. It wasn't just the way he pulled out his best when the pressure was on, though that didn't hurt. Alabama fans love the way he surprised them with his head and his arm and his feet. But even that's not the reason they held their breath after he threw three picks in the iron bowl. Concerned coaches would lose faith and yank Sims in favor of transfer Jake Coker. They held their breaths and tweeted, believe in Blake, hashtag believe in Blake, because Sims has come to be more than Alabama's quarterback. Somehow this year, Blake Sims became a lesson, an example, a symbol of storybook proportions. Blake Sims is the guy they said would never make it. He is Rudy and Rocky and Seabiscuit and the little engine that could. He is the anti-Jamus, perhaps even the alter AJ, and he wins and he wins the right way. What a distance to come for a kid who seemed like a placeholder for so long. Just another backup happy to call on the field when the game was won and Alabama needed to hand the ball to somebody who wouldn't score. You know the Sim story. It's been told by now. They said he didn't have the grades to play college ball, and he buckled down and studied. They say he'd never played quarterback at a school like Alabama, so he played other positions without complaining. When he found his way back to quarterback, he watched in the shadow of larger-than-life McCarron and was nothing but a teammate for five years. When Coker transferred to Bama from Florida State to, quote-unquote, take his rightful place at quarterback, 
Sims in his final year did what he always did. He worked. People tried because this is Alabama to turn it into an issue of black and white, but Sims didn't bite. Sims didn't complain. He asked no pity and showed no bitterness. He just worked more and he won. He's the American dream, the living, breathing, winning embodiment of the Alabama way. He's the stuff of books and of movies, of plays and fables. He's not Joe Namath with the big arm Broadway show. He's the regular guy who was more than we ever dreamed. You don't have to like Alabama to believe in Blake Sims. He doesn't dance in the end zone or call up the opposition. He doesn't boast or brag on the sidelines. When he's asked for confirmation, he responds, yes, sir. When questioned about his most glorious moments, he talks about others. Not my receivers or my line, like James says. Winston talks of the great players around him. Um, I'm sorry, Sims talks about the great players around him. When he was asked after the LSU game how he managed those third-down miracles, he answered like this, quote, we always feel good about third down because that's what we work most on in practice, and Coach Kiffin prepares us so great during the week that we know we're going to convert on third down. Not me, us. Not I, we. Blake Sims is the quarterback Alabama has always claimed they wanted. Loyal, patient, respected, respectful. First and foremost part of the team. He won Alabama's fans' respect on the field. He accomplished the improbable by winning their hearts. He did that simply by being Blake Sims. I don't think John could have said any better, Drew. Kerry, I completely agree with you there. I mean, that's a beautiful, uh, you know, beautifully written column, and and that's what I've noticed about Blake Sims. I mean, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, AJ McCarron had a great career at Alabama, and he was a great player. I mean, he won a lot of rings and helped lead Alabama, but he wasn't the leader that Blake Sims is. The thing that struck me about the end of the Missouri game, you were in the press box, you you saw it on the sidelines and everything like that, but. When the game was over and they did it and they pulled him out of the game, both the coaches and the players on both sides of the ball were just all over and just hugging him and everything like that. And, and not to say AJ McCarron wasn't liked, I think he was liked by most on the team. But there's a difference between liked and loved, and that's the best way for me to put it. And I just think it's truly everybody on the team loves Blake Sims. He's for the team. Like you said, he never says anything selfish. He doesn't do anything selfish on the field. When he celebrates, he's with his, he's with his teammates. And uh, I just love his energy. I love his uh, his ability to rise to the occasion and to and to quickly be like a closer in baseball and forget and uh, and just move on to the next play. And that's very important as a quarterback. And and to be honest, the only thing that has not gone, you know, like I felt like it should this week, and no disrespect to the to the coach, I think he did a great job with his team, but Lane Kiffin not winning the Royals Award was just ridiculous. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that too, but uh, I don't wrong. You know, Tom Herman, you know, he he had to he he had to he he had to go through three quarterbacks, and and Willie one didn't play the whole year, but and they still won the Big Ten Conference, but. I just feel like, you know, with Blake Sims, you know, JT Barrett was a guy that they knew eventually could be able to, you know, start for them and was, you know, right in the mix. And Blake Sims, as you just got through saying, and as with that all, and with the awesome column right there by, you know, by the AL dot com writer, that's just to me that that's a that that's a storybook kind of thing. I mean, he was somebody that everybody thought was just a change of pace QB and not an every down guy and. And and plus the, the 
the Barrett, the young man Barrett was, I believe, a red shirt freshman, and and Blake Sims is a fifth year senior, and you just don't see him stay around for the fifth year if they're not playing usually. No, the last one I remember was DJ Shockley at Georgia. Right, and he was a heavily recruited guy. People kind of forget. I mean, he was someone that you know was it was kind of amazing that he had to wait that long. But DJ Shockley was a heavily recruited player. I mean, he he was well he was well known in the state of Georgia. Oh yeah, Dad, high school coach over there. So what? My point is, he waited behind David Green for four yeah, years, yeah. and then he got his chance, and he took them to the SEC championship game and won it. The difference is, they were never really uh, at that point in the season a national championship contender. Right. Um, maybe they would have been if they had 14 playoffs, but that's more under the bridge now. But DJ did have a, a wonderful senior year in Athens, and he hung, he stuck it out. He could have transferred a number of places, chose not to. Blake, you never really heard about Blake thinking about transferring. Blake no. loves the University of Alabama. I, I tell you a story, Drew, and I've told this before, but I, I remember when Blake was on his recruiting trip uh, yeah. five and a half years ago. Uh, yeah. It was it an was eight-day weekend, and Blake was still a senior at, at Gainesville High. Um, and, and Blake was there. Uh, actually, I'll take that back. It was August before his senior year. And uh, he, so he hadn't committed yet. Um, he came in and, and, and was having a decent visit. And then it was back during the time, this is how long ago it was, five and a half years, that this was when they were still having current players signing autographs, not on the field, but they were actually signing over at Coliseum. Oh, so yeah. uh, Blake was walking around and taking all that in and then, one of the uh, the, the athletic uh, department officials came up and asked us, uh, have any of y'all found a cell phone? Blake Sims, one of our recruits, has lost his cell phone. And we were like, well, no, we haven't, but we'll let you know if we found it. But he ended up finding it like an hour later. But I remember that as being part of uh, one of his recruiting visits. That might even have been an unofficial. But uh, ended up uh, committing to Alabama and then flipping to Lane Kiffin uh, for a little while, three or four weeks, and then coming back to Alabama. And, uh, you know, truth be told, he, he probably would have played a lot more at Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if it would have been quarterback. We'll never know that. But he has stuck it out. And he's now with 3,250 yards, the single-season passing leader at Alabama, and the single-season total offense leader at Alabama. And he did that on the strength of uh, what I thought was one of his better games Saturday. He was 23 for 27, 262 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the key. And really, I didn't even see any balls that could have been intercepted. And uh, even the two sacks, Drew, I felt neither of those two were his fault. No, they were more coverage sacks. Uh, you know, they did a really good job collapsing the pocket, you know, for being ejected. Shane Ray is a stud. And, uh, you know, that they, you know that, that, that was uh, – yeah. and then and just for the record, you know, Brian Jones is a joke. Uh, the guy on, on CBS that went to UCLA in Texas saying that that wasn't targeting and it, was, it shouldn't have been penalized. I mean, uh, I, and Kerry, you already know how much I hate that rule, but that was just absolutely – that's the most – I'm not a fan of the rule. It is the one you're going to foul it every time. Helmet, helmet. He was trying to say the helmets didn't hit, which is I think – Well, they did. That, they did hit. And then he hit him under the chin. I mean, it would have been a penalty in the NFL, too, just not an ejection. And it would have been a fine. It would have been a fine in the NFL. That's exactly so, right. So I mean, you know, so somebody saying that is just ignorant. And uh, but like I say, I I agree with you. And the thing that I think sets Blake's situation apart from DJ Shockley is Shockley was always a quarterback. As far as at Georgia, they never thought about moving him as far as position. I mean, Blake played running back. He played safety one spring. 
I mean, they, he, he just shows how much of a team guy he was as he moved all around and then finally went back to the position that he was most comfortable with. And we had his high school coach on, as you know, earlier on BAM, and even he thought that he would be more in a spread system. Not, In other words, he didn't come right out and say it, but he thought Blake would be more of a runner than a thrower. And Blake turned into a very good passer, and it's just one of those things. It doesn't happen very often when you catch magic like that, but it were. It just, it just everything fell into place, and uh, hopefully Alabama can keep this thing going. I think they've got a really good chance against Ohio State. Uh, I think they match up well, despite what Joey Galloway thinks. And uh, I think uh, Alabama, as you and I have talked, is much more than a one-man offense. Uh, we, now, we can't help it that our uh, our featured guy, to me, is the best player in America, uh, and that we've been able to get into football as much as we've been able to. But, again, we, I think Alabama is much more, much more than a one-man team. So they interviewed Amari Cooper tonight at the College Football Awards in Orlando. Yes. He gave a quote that I thought was really interesting, Drew. Listen to this quote from Amari. He's talking about wide receivers. He said, I've been playing the position so long that I know when I have a guy maybe in like the second or third quarter, you can tell that he can tell that he can't really play on the field with you. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, if a guy's out there burning your behind, you know, play after play, no matter if you run zone or man or whatever you do, chuck him, don't chuck him, and you're still catching 10, 12, 13 balls a game. I mean, I've always had some good receivers. Don't get me wrong. Julio Jones was great. Ozzie Newsom was great. Uh, they're, they're, Kevin Norwood was solid. There ain't never been nobody to Alabama. And, and really, there's only one guy in the SEC, uh, Josh Reed at LSU, that even compares with what Amari Cooper's done, Drew. Well, for a single season, yes. I mean, and and we have to – I have to give a credit to the 256 with his career uh, as far as Jordan Matthews because the, the more I think about Jordan's career, it's even more amazing because of the quarterbacks he had to play with. And oh, – yeah. uh, and he put up those kind of numbers and caught 113 balls in a year. And and, he, and, I, and I'll go ahead and call it. He's headed for a pro pro bowl career with Philadelphia. Oh, he's yeah. A, he's a great kid. I've known the kid since he was a freshman in high school, watching him play uh, basketball and football. It's, I've met his parents. They're just A1 people. And I'm very happy for him, especially considering that Jordan's only big offer was to Vanderbilt. And he was able to make, you know, what he did out of his career. I blew it on his evaluation. I thought he was a safety. I'll go on the record as still saying I think he could have played at the SEC. But uh, I wasn't sure he had enough speed to play receiver, but he does. And then Amari Cooper, ever since I heard about him, you know, when he came to the summer camp his senior year, the summer before his senior season, Kerry, and you heard about how uncoverable he was. And then Coach Saban saying, you know, in the fall before their first game during fall camp that our most explosive receiver is Amari Cooper, but he's not healthy right now. I mean, they weren't lying. I mean, the guy is special. And everybody keeps saying, well, put a safety over the top, take him away. It's easier said than done. And that's a credit, one, to Amari for his work ethic and how good a player he is, and then two, for the genius of Lane Kiffin. You know somebody else we all wrote off? And uh, I, I'm, I'm the I'm the chief prince of morons here. Uh, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking credit. I, I'm going to name his name here in a second because about 45, 50 minutes ago, uh, CBS Sports named their college football All-American team, and Amari Cooper, who we just finished talking about, was first team. We had two guys on the second team: uh, Trey Priest, 
Yeah. And the guy that I definitely wrote off, Ari Kwanjo. Ari oh, Kwanjo wow. had a hell of a senior year, Drew. Yeah, yeah, he really did. And, it ain't uh, over yet, but he's having a hell of a senior year. I mean, he's he. I, I told that to somebody the other. I, I told that to one of some of my my friends the other day. You know, uh, after the SEC championship game, and uh, I said, you know, everybody wanted Ari, you know, replaced during the off season. Thought he was the weak link. And when he was announced as first team All SEC, and then I, I remember when he was preseason first team, and people questioned that. Well, and I'm really happy for him too. He's overcome, as you know, big time knee issues with both knees, not just one. And uh, he's had a very, very good senior year, Kerry. As a matter of fact, just to, to goes to show you, I can only remember one ball game where he struggled, and to be honest about it, the entire offensive line struggled, and that was against Arkansas. Other than that. I think uh, I think 77 had a very, very fine year. I don't know if he'll be able to play in the NFL, Kerry, because you never know with the knee issues he's had. But I'll say this. I'll be rooting like heck for him. And the one thing that I know from someone down there who's close to him in Tuscaloosa and has been in a fixture in the, in the, in the media scene down there is you will never, ever find a better human being than Ari Kwanjo. Does a lot of stuff behind the scenes as far as it with the uh, charities and everything, and it's not publicized. And another thing is, he's a great student, uh, graduated, got his bachelor's degree, and I believe I may already have his master's. If not, he's about to get it. And is just a uh, just a a one class human being. Yeah, and he's he's a, he gives very straightforward uh, answers on interviews. They're they're well thought out. He doesn't say anything without thinking. He has been a guy all year, Ari. It, it talks about the admiration that he and the rest of the team have for Blake Sims. This is not the Blake Sims love fest. Don't get me wrong. It's not. Uh, we just, we're just pointing out a job well done. But Ari told us from day one, look, I got confidence in Blake. I got faith in Blake. I came in here with Blake. We've been together five years. I've seen him work. But Ari is also a guy that doesn't, you know, take a lot of self accolades. But now he's a CBS Sports second team All American. So. And, I, you know, if his knee permits it, I don't know. He may or may not accept the senior bowl invite, but he'll get one. I just hope Blake goes down in the mobile like our uh, our good friend last year chose not to do it. Now we know why. <laughs> he didn't want him to know he was hurt. But, exactly. Uh, but, and so I guess it was a money thing. And, and, and by the way, A.J. McCarron was activated yesterday by the Cincinnati Bengals for the first time all year. He'll be dressing perhaps for the games, these last two or three games, three games. Don't know if he'll get any action or not, but uh, – they had the chance to waive him, and they didn't. They signed him. Uh, they activated him, which means they pay him for the rest of the year. So, right. AJ's career is still on on somewhat of a, somewhat of a track. Um, another guy that I feel like we should give a shout out to while we're talking, Drew, uh, because he had a career high in rushing, uh, twenty carries, one hundred forty-one net yards, and two touchdowns. I really thought that Derrick Henry stepped it up Saturday. Well, the the King's role is is what it should be. And, and what I like about the way they're using Derek is he's a, as you notice with his style, Kerry, the only thing that, that uh, he, he's a uh, one cut runner, a cutback runner. He's not a power runner as far as, even though he's 6'3", 240 pounds, he's not, we've, we've had this, as you've heard Murph Baldwin say on our show, He's he's not he, he's more of a finesse runner, but when you put him in when the defense is tired and you have a lead and you're trying to take air out of the ball, if you if, if I've always said this, Karen, you've noticed it too. If he gets to the edge and squares his shoulders, 
you can almost book it because it takes him a couple of steps to get to full speed. But when he gets going full speed with those long strides, he is going to leave you. And he will break 30, 40, 50, 60-yard runs to ice games consistently. And there's only one thing, Kerry, that I wish Coach Saban had done at the end of this football game. And I called it as soon as Derek – I thought he was gone, but then when he went down at the one, I wish they had called timeout and let Jalston carry the ball into the end zone. That would have been me. Uh, as a, a fifth-year senior and somebody that does a lot of dirty work and has played a lot of different roles, I wanted him to score the final touchdown as kind of a, a send-off for him as far as uh, winning an SEC championship. Uh, now, I know he had missed some time in the game being a little dinged up, but I think he was okay at that time. I was hoping that they would let, uh, you know, I, 45 get on the board. But other than that, I mean, I was happy to see Derek and the way he performed. I thought he was tremendous. TJ's been a little bit nicked up. And, uh, you know, Derek's been the closer. He was the closer against Auburn as well. And put, as I said on the on, on Twitter during the game, when he scored to make it 35-13, that was the nail in the coffin. And uh, then he was there. He proceeded to nail another one in there. But I thought Derek was tremendous. He's had a really good year. And uh, Joey Galloway basically said Alabama's a one-man offense. Well, I got news for the Ohio State homer. We've got two 900-yard rushers. So get ready to deal with that. Galloway. Really? Clown. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Another guy that we should give a shout-out to, I got to hear him do an interview for the first time because of the uh, open locker room policy. Uh, And this is – there's more than one of those guys. But the first I'm going to name – is a man who had only uh, 10 of his 48 punts returned all year, and they were returned for a total of 73 yards, 7.3, and he put down about half of them inside the 20. I cannot uh, even imagine a freshman having a better year than J.K. Scott has at Punter Group. Well, I can't either. He was tremendous. Uh, he was the MVP of two games, in my opinion, Arkansas and Mississippi State, and those were very key wins for Alabama during the year. And I'll say this. I'll have to give a shout-out, Kerry. I don't know if you had a chance to read it today, but uh, i got to give a shout-out to uh, J, uh, to D.C. Reeves, the managing editor of Tidesports.com. Uh, he, he did a, a tremendous story today on uh, J.K. Scott. Had some very good thoughts uh, from Daniel Pope, former Alabama punter, who's now in the real estate business in Tuscaloosa. And yeah, and uh, and, and yeah, and uh, and Daniel and Daniel basically said that you know J.K. can be the best ever. You know, he's. I thought it was interesting. Un- I only heard part un- of the uh, interview. I was there when D.C. was talking to him. The part right. that intrigued me was uh, I didn't hear the whole thing, but the part that intrigued me was J.K. talking about how he does Pilates. Yeah, he does Pilates, and the most the most amazing thing is, Kerry. I don't know if you heard this part. Was that what? what J.K., what his height and weight were when he was a ninth grader in high school. I, I miss mean, that. This, this young man was 5'8", 95 pounds. I mean, <laughs> in one year he grew seven inches. And now he admitted that his parents have told him since he's been in, at Alabama this season, he's grown a half inch. So he's six foot four now, 185, and just has a tremendous leg, the best leg, I've ever seen Kerry. I mean, well, he's phenomenal. I mean, I, then, I mean, you know, maybe the first ever three and out punter in NCAA. And then the interesting part is, Kerry, the amazing part is, 
and they're not. It's not getting a lot of talk because Alabama felt that the game away and won it big. One of the biggest plays in the game was when he didn't panic on the first bad snap of Cole Mazza's career and still got a freaking punt off inside the twenty. Yeah, that was great athletic ability, uh, great stick to it, and poise, and poise, and uh, attention to detail. Uh, you know that. Yeah, I mean that's not just that's an athlete back there. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he could dunk a basketball. Well, I mean, and, when I was as skinny as he was, I could. So if I could, I know he can. So. Well, I, well, I'll say this: I, I think Coach Saban, and you know, he he'll forget more football than I'll ever know. But I'm hoping eventually that he'll let J.K. take over kickoffs as well, uh, and just yeah, let sure. and just let Griff worry about you know being consistent on kick on field goals and extra points and all that kind of thing. But right. I think J.K. is. I think J.K. is talented enough to do both things. I felt like he's got, you know, several touchbacks. With and I think honestly, with repetition, his leg is going to get stronger. I hate that. I hate to put pressure on him like that. But uh, and uh, fifty next year. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, you know, he's, he's averaging. I mean, and we all know how how good a year Cody Mandel had last year as a senior, but his his year has been blown away by J.K. Scott's, and, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit leery when he when he came in. Some of those kids, you, if you, as you've seen, Carrie, from, if you're coming from the thin air of Colorado, they don't, you know, punt as well when they get down south or whatnot in the weather conditions. But from the opening game against West Virginia, it's been one bomb after another, and uh, he's just he's a tremendous weapon for Alabama. I think he could punt in the snow in Alaska or in the sand in Hawaii. It wouldn't bother J.K. Scott. I'll go ahead and call something Phil Savage said about Ashawn last year. He could punt in the NFL now. Okay. I, 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 and that's uh, actually one of our uh, uh, part-time guests on this show tweeted that very thing not long ago, just a couple hours ago, Jimmy Stein. It was that small. Uh, let's move over to the defense uh, before we move to recruiting, Drew. Uh, you just mentioned him, uh, Ashawn Robinson, nine tackles, three for a loss, uh, and, and a hurry. Uh, Landon Collins, seven tackles, one for a loss, uh, and a break, I didn't have a breakup. Uh, Geno Smith did not have his best game, but he had five tackles and a breakup. Uh, I, I thought Landon Collins' mom, April Justin, who we all remember from uh, his commitment and the look she gave him when he didn't stay LSU, she had an interesting comment today. Uh, said that uh, I've loved what he's done at Alabama, uh, gotten some interceptions, made some big plays, but I'm still waiting on my pick six. He ain't got but two more games to get it to me. So come on, Landon. Your mom's calling you out. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if she attended the Tennessee game uh, last year, but he, he did run that one back, you know, for about uh, 87, 88 yards. was a great play and was pretty much the nail in the coffin in that game to the end of the half. Well, that that was a pick six. Yes, he ran that one back. She sort of forgotten that Shows one. Shows my though. memory too. Well, well, <laughs> well, I guess it was dedicated to somebody else. Then I don't know. <laughs> it was dedicated to his dad. Oh uh, well, you know, <laughs> we know that actually raised him. Well, you know, because well, <laughs> oh, wow. when she said that, I thought, well, you, you should have said on a neutral field or at a bowl game or. Or whatever. Yeah, he did that one at home, man. Think about it. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was a pick six or a fumble recovery. But you're right. Oh, uh, you're right. He ran that one back. Yeah, you you oh, called it, Drew. Good memory, man. That's why we have a younger guy on the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I thought maybe I was just missing something when she said that. But anyway, okay, cool. But I thought that the defense did a good job. Uh, they didn't get credited with any sacks. 
Saturday. Uh, I thought Sean should have been given one. Ramoth went back to throw and then act like it was going to be a draw, and he got him for a minus one. Uh, yeah. I actually think that was improvised. I don't think the draw was called, and and Ashawn got him for minus one. They just called it a tackle for loss. They didn't call it a sack. I'd have called him a sack, but whatever. Uh, you know that game Saturday before we uh, put a bow on it. I felt like, and, and Thomas and I were there. He was sitting the row behind me in the press box, and and when it was twenty one three at the half, and we were heading over for our snacks because that's what we do in the press box to eat. Uh, and Thomas looked me in the eye and he said ball game. And I said, uh, yeah. I, I said, yeah, I think so. I think so. And then in the third quarter, they pulled to have been 21 to 13. Yeah. And I'm looking at Kirk at McNair, other guests on the show, and he's looking at me and we're thinking, really? It's a, this is a one possession game, really. This next drive is pretty big. And it was. Uh, Blake Sims took them down the field, 28-13. They never looked back. Uh, they dominated three out of the four quarters. Uh and here, here's my favorite stat, Drew. Here's my favorite stat of the day. In the last two ball games against two separate sets of Tigers, one for the state championship, one for the conference championship, in the fourth quarter, Alabama has outscored its opposition these past two games 42-8. to eight. As the kid from Hugh that's now in Tallahassee that we don't like very much says, strong. It is, and strong, yeah. and I'm sure you probably saw it. That's actually. finishing, Drew. It is. It's finishing. That's dominating your opponent. That's making his ass quit. All that saving stuff. All those little quotes that are on the uh, the new T-shirts they're gonna wear in the bowl game. All that stuff. Uh, Forty-two to eight in the fourth quarter against your state rival and your team you're playing for the SC championship. That's that's closing it out, bro. That's Craig Kimball. Yeah, it really is. I mean, they've they've had they've shown a propensity to do that against everybody. And led by Blake, and you know the, the season-defining one was Mississippi State, when Mississippi State rallied and uh, Blake uh, th- converted those three straight third downs and did such a great job, and then you know yelled and finished the drive off. But uh, I really, you know, to be honest, I, you know, I, I heard Jameis after the game, and I really hope we get this opportunity in a lot of ways. But uh, he ran his mouth some more, basically said he couldn't wait to play Alabama. He wanted to play against them so bad, and uh, I think uh, I, I would love to have that. You know, Alabama must take care of Ohio State, but I would love for Alabama to get a shot at Mr. Winston and the Seminoles. And I, you know, it would be poetic justice for Blake Sims if he could finish this journey and beat Big Mouth Winston and show uh, the world that it doesn't really matter that we're that we're already glad. Uh, the scumbag didn't come to Alabama, uh, but the bottom line is is that it would be good for the anti-Winston to finish him off. The bizarro Jameis, that's Blake Sims. And you know, the, the, the one thing about it, no, nobody brings this up too much, and I'm not 100% sure if Florida State's going to beat Oregon, but if they do, and we do play, if we beat Ohio State, do our job, and we do play Florida State in Jerry World, if yeah. we do, and if we beat them, then we will be able to say, Drew, that we beat Jameis in football and baseball. That's very true. Very, very and true. I, he did not perform poorly in the two innings he pitched in Tallahassee no. in the regional, no. but Alabama won the ball game, and he played in the ball game. Therefore, he is part of the losing dugout. So yeah. let's make him part of the losing sideline. I don't normally pull for Florida State. Uh, you know, since he got there and since Jimbo 
started all his little crying about protecting Jameis. They, they've sort of kind of risen up to number 1A or number 2 on my despicable list behind Auburn, which nobody will ever surpass. But they're up to probably number 2 on my list of people I don't like to see win. But I do hope they beat Oregon because that's who I want to play in Dallas as far as state. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to complain if we play Oregon. We're going to play either last year's Heisman winner or this year's Heisman winner, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, really, it's it's pretty much hands down. Mario's going to win the Heisman. Oh, I don't yeah. want to disappoint anybody uh, listening because we're all Amari fans here. But uh, I think the realistic thing, and I, I keep looking on Twitter, and I don't guess they've announced the Blitton Pop Award yet, but the realistic thing uh, is – that he would win the Bolitnikoff and that he got – I think it's a win for Alabama that he got invited. Alabama had never had but one guy, David Palmer, finish as high as third in the Heisman. They've had four in the last six years. That's awesome, bro. Oh, yeah. That's, that's... I, I'm, I'm talking Ingram, Richardson, McCarron, and now a Cooper. The worst they can do is third. Uh, and most people think he will get third. uh because of the crazy stats that, that Melvin Gordon's put up, but make it in second. But uh, the fact that Amari's going to New York is such a win for Alabama. I mean, you recruit a receiver and you say, "Well, my guy won the Blitnikoff, which if he don't, it's a it's a joke. He better win it." And he got invited to New York as a final three guy for the Heisman. That, that's the kind of and then and then hey, what if they just show him what what about Julio Monday night? Oh yeah, my exactly. God, Drew. I mean, he was like in another world until he got hurt. Well, uh, but he, 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 yeah, the Packers won the game, whatever. But Julio lit them up like a Christmas tree, bro. Oh, yeah, he did. You know, he had 10 catches for 259, the most ever against the Packer team in Lambeau Field. And uh, he he kept uh, the, the Falcons in the game, made a lot of plays, and hopefully his hip's going to be okay. But, I mean, uh, the thing that I, that I, the best analogy I can use is, I've always said that eight was the GOAT and that he was one of my favorites of all time, and he always will be, especially because of how he could have gone somewhere else and helped turn Alabama's program around. But the best analogy I can use and is uh, I think nine is the greatest of all time, like you've already said, like I said in my story, in our story, in Alabama Intel story, game story after, you know, the Auburn game. But I'll say this beyond a shadow of a doubt, the best way to equate it is, Eight helped get nine. And it is. The success of Julio got Amari Cooper, and now the success of Amari Cooper is going to bring Calvin Ridley to Tuscaloosa, and it's going to continue to build, just like you know Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson's success has helped beget T.J. Yeldon and uh, and Hedarick Henry and all and, and 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 to a certain degree Trent Richardson, but you know Coach Saban. The thing is, and then Alabama's offensive line success with Barrett Jones, Andre Smith, you know, these award winners. Uh, now uh, Ari Kwanjo being an All-American. Uh, Cyrus, uh, may, you know, was was highly thought of when he was at Alabama. If you think of the positions that Alabama carry, pretty much nationally, Alabama's well thought of in almost every position on the football team, and that's a stunning thing when you think about all the guys they put in the NFL I guess the only thing they haven't done a lot is put a ton of tight ends in the NFL, though they've had some solid players. But every position almost at Alabama, center, guard, tackle, quarterback now, uh, running back, uh, you know, every position on defense, D-line, 
interior DL, defensive end, linebacker, and safety and corner. They're just known for putting guys in the NFL, and that's why they continue to recruit at the level they're recruiting at. Uh, one correction, and this is a positive correction that CBS has made. They've now changed their uh, story, and they are saying that uh, Landon Collins is first-team All-American for them. So, yeah, he should be. If he's not, it's a joke. No, they, they apparently put the article out improperly worded, and they reissued it, and now they are showing that they have Amari Cooper and Landon Collins on the first team and Ari Kwanzaa on the second team. So, Right. You know, we all make mistakes in this thing in time. There's so much pressure with social media to get stuff out quick, and uh, they basically have corrected themselves, and uh, Landon was first team. So that's good. Well, the only thing that surprises me, Kerry, and forgive me for not realizing it, I thought that the College Football Awards on ESPN was live tomorrow on the 11th. So obviously it's tape delayed. And, 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 that, and you know, I think it must be. It must be. I can, it's usually live, Carrie. But, but I mean, I, I don't. Or maybe they're having two night films or something. I, I don't know. I think what they're doing. I think what you're, what we're seeing tonight. And I may be wrong here, but I think they're probably doing some, you know, pre-award dinner type gathering type stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the everything. I'm is thinking that show tomorrow night. Tomorrow. It, it is tomorrow night. It's on Thursday, December the 11th. Yeah. So and, we'll have now. Now we got some guys up for stuff there. We got yes. We got Landon is up for the Thorpe. Uh, yes, he's a he's a finalist. JK is up it's, for the Ray guy. Ray guy, correct. And, and, and Blitnikoff, uh, Mr. Sticky yeah. Fingers, uh, Amari Cooper. They should just call it the Amari Cooper Award this year because there's really they not. A, it, it, if he's not unanimous, I'll be shocked. Okay, yep. anybody that's watched the SEC and watched Amari Cooper, and I'm not disrespecting the young man from Colorado State who was coached by one of our favorite people and the other finalists, but it is not even a contest. And in, uh, in an ironic, perhaps, move, uh, we are hearing through sources, Drew, that Amari's position coach, Billy Napier, uh, may not be long for Tuscaloosa. He's not going to be. Uh, I was told a month ago that come January he would not be in Tuscaloosa. I don't think he will be. I think there's a very good chance Kevin Steele could end up at Nebraska as defensive coordinator. Uh, he's been mentioned for that. Started hearing some of that this weekend. Do I hear uh, a sonic boom in the distance? Uh, <laughs> good. I, I, I've been hearing from a very good friend of yours uh, in the media uh-huh. that, that uh, there could be something cooking with that because of you know his he has not made it a public decision yet. And then I'm also hearing Lance Thompson uh, may not be uh, in, in long for Tuscaloosa as well. So. If that happens, I still think Tosh Lapoy will move up, which excites me a lot. And then I'm uh, hoping and praying if Billy Napier ends up with Coach McElwain at the University of Florida, that a very familiar face to SEC fans will replace him as wide receivers coach, someone that Lane Kiffin is very, very familiar with. That would be? T. Martin. You know, how many times has he got to turn us down? You know? Well, I, I mean, I, hate Alabama with the fire of 10,000 suns. Uh, like well, but maybe well, this will be the charm. It's all about your career, Kerry, and, and what Nick Saban can do for your career. I don't necessarily think that Nick, that Lane Kiffin was a huge Alabama fan either, based no. upon what some things he said when he was at Tennessee. Yeah, but, but uh, Kiffin's career was on the brink. I think mean, T. Martin's. But, hey, look, that'd be fine. Look, i got no problem with that. Well, let's, let's, let's say Napier goes. Yeah. And uh, let, let's say that he does bring in T. Martin. Uh, I, I, 
what's your feeling on Kevin Steele? Do you have a gut on what he'll do? He, you know, it's well documented that he turned down Louisville to stay at Alabama and get back on the field. Uh, he also has his, I believe, his mother and father live in Tuscaloosa, so that he has family nearby. Uh, he so he's and he's had a lot of success working for Coach Saban. Did a very good job this year. Uh, Reggie Ragland made a ton of progress. You know, DePriest has been solid. Uh, but you know, and I and, but it's going to be interesting because. I don't think he will not leave just to coach linebackers, Kerry. I mean, it's going to have to be for a coordinator's job. And people forget Kevin Steele is very well respected in Lincoln. He was a longtime linebackers coach for Coach Osborne, and that's basically how he made his name in coaching uh, because Coach Osborne gave him a chance there, and he spent several years coaching the linebackers. Matter of fact, he turned Nick Saban down two or three times. Coach Saban tried to hire him at Michigan State uh, and LSU. So, He's told that I've heard him tell that story. So it's not a cod lock that he would leave, but if he's offered a defensive coordinator spot at a prestigious place, I've heard people saying Nebraska will never be Nebraska again and all this stuff. Maybe so, Kerry, but they've still got a lot of tradition. And if they could get the right mix of coaches, they can do something in the Big Ten. You know how weak that conference is. Give okay. me a break. No, I agree. They're not and, and so they, they're always going to have a pass but I mean, but I, if he gets offered the defensive coordinator's job at a place that he has history with, and Coach Osborne is still around, Kerry, you know he is. Uh, with Coach Osborne being around, I, I would not be surprised if he left. I'm not saying he's going to, but it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, you know, I want to say this on, on Will Muschamp. Uh, you and I have maintained from day one that he's not going to Auburn, and I still but say the the national. You know, I guess these people are on Sexton's payroll. I don't know. The people like Travis Haney and uh, Bruce Feldman. And, oh, it's just they're just working out some minor details. Yeah. You know what? Uh-huh. Bull crap. No. The Scout.com site said they're working out minor details and he's agreed in principle to go to South Carolina. And I believe that way before I believe Auburn. That being oh. said, I don't know that Will has made any kind of final decision. And maybe he is waiting to see what happens in Tuscaloosa. I don't, or maybe he's waiting to see if he gets the head coaching job. He's in Hawaii now. So nobody out this bull crap. Oh, he was on the Auburn campus the other day. No, 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 he was not. No, he was not. No, no, uh, he was no, on. The he beach. was. He so, was on the- uh, but but I mean, the scout. dot com reported that he agreed in principle and that they'll announce him uh, later this week at South Carolina and that Whammy Ward will retain a job, just not as the DC. Uh, so, and and I was looking, I was looking at that USA Today article today that showed all the salaries of different assistant yeah. coaches. I didn't realize Whammy was making over 700k. I didn't uh, either, uh, but he is. It's like 725. So I was like, "Damn, Whammy, the man from Greensboro, Alabama, came to Alabama as a walk-on, done pretty well for himself." Uh, anyway, <laughs> oh yeah, he's, he's had a good one. And uh, and the one thing I admire about Coach Spurrier is he don't like firing people. Uh, he he likes to, as they said, reshuffle or see him, make sure they get other jobs. He dropped a bunch of hints, Spurrier. That was the lamest denial I've ever Oh, seen. of course. It, yeah, so, look, Will may, Will may end up in South Carolina, and I guess if, if, the, if the cards fell just right, he might end up at Alabama. But yeah, he is it, not, repeat, he is not going to Auburn. No, he's not. I don't, it, you know, from, from source, really good sources, he, he doesn't have a great relationship with Jay Jacobs. I'm not sure he has a great one with Dye and, 
I don't really think he's I've heard. The two means you don't have a good relationship. Obviously. And if he and, and if he doesn't end up at Alabama, I don't think he he he, he doesn't really want to end up in the Western Division, Kerry. It's a well, very Carolina tough can deal. Wait on. Carolina yeah. can wait on. They got a bowl game, and hey, let's go win a bowl game. You know, so hey, yeah, yeah, they, they, they can wait on him, and, and he and can we, wait on them. And we've talked about this a million times. The East is up for grabs. I mean, it's. It, Missouri's done a great job, but if South Carolina can right themselves, if Coach Mack can make a big impact at Florida, those two schools can be right back up to the top of that division uh, as far as, as for contending for the SEC championship. And then, you know, if, Mack, if, if, if Coach Boone can come in there and turn South Carolina around, South Carolina is not like a lot of jobs. It, there's pressure there, but it's not like Alabama. It's not even like Florida. If they could turn that sucker around and and be in contention and winning nine or ten games, the fans are loving it, man. They're they're going to sell the place out. They're going to go eight junk. So I mean, and then to be honest, one one coach that does not want Coach Boone to go to South Carolina is going to be Mark Rick. No, he don't want it at all. Uh, you know what? I was just thinking about something. Uh, let, let let's say that those scenarios that, that you mentioned earlier occur, and we've already covered the offensive side of the ball. But let's say that Kevin Steele goes to Nebraska and Lance Thompson goes somewhere. Tosh LePoy gets one of those jobs. What about the idea of saving bringing in Bill Clark? Well, I can see that as inside linebackers coach, no question. That's what I mean. Uh, uh, that would be one of my top guys on the list. Uh, it's all about I, getting vested and stuff like that. I mean, he, Bill Clark has good years in I think Bill Clark will be a candidate at Auburn. I've been told he would. I know they're still wanting to worry about this must champ thing and see where he ends up but i i really hope that uh that, that if kevin Steele, he would probably be my top choice carrie if kevin Steele moved on i would love the fact if i would we didn't get boom i won't build i well you know i would love to bring boom in i've been told it would be an off-field thing for a year maybe it wouldn't i'd love to bring boom in first but bill clark would be near the top of my list as well, well he's bill a free to one of them. he yeah, Bill's an Alabama guy and a defensive guy. And, right. and to be honest, Prattville is still a very good program, Kerry, but they've lost their edge defensively since he left. I mean, they had a – they were yeah, – Hoover did them up pretty good. But, hey, they got all the way to the finals, so I'll give credit to Chad Anderson. That they got well, I'm finals. even talking about when Coach Dubose took over. Defensively, they weren't as, as no. sound. Not and you talk, you've talked about it when they shut down Julio. When he was that was there. Bill. So, yeah, Bill shut down yeah. you know, two years exactly. ago. Right, yeah. There were like five, eight Alabama State commitments. So Bill knows I, how to coach defense. I will say this. I think Bill Clark, as a high school coach, is every bit as good as Rush Pros. And Rush, I is, as good as, I, and Rush is as, as good as I've ever seen. I, I, mean, I agree with that. I know uh, that people rip him for his, you know, his conduct and all that kind of stuff with his personal life that he had. But yeah. there is no doubt how good a coach Rush Pros is. I mean, there, it's, there's just none. Right. Drew, uh, we don't have five more minutes, a little bit less than five minutes, so I want to get you to play the role that we were going to have John Garcia play. Right. And I, and I know that you're not there in person. John is in Montgomery this week covering Alabama's uh, yep. practice, mainly Alabama practice, but he's covering both. And John was going to give us an in-depth report tonight on how the Bama guys and other Bama prospects are looking. But I know you've been reading with interest and watching video and that kind of thing. Uh, what can you tell us, Drew, just based on your outside observations about from an Alabama Crimson Tide perspective what's going on in Montgomery this week? Well, I think there's no question that they've got some very good offensive linemen, you know, coming in, Kerry. I think, uh, you know, Lester Cotton's been Lester Cotton. 
and uh, he he lost some reps yesterday, one or two, but he bounced back. He's got the prerequisite size, mean streak, athletic ability, and and just talent to do to to be a factor. Uh, Brandon Kennedy, uh, after a redshirt year, could be a very very fine center prospect and could be, you know, a really good player. Uh, those two guys, to me, have a chance to be really really good. Um, you know, I think. And I, I, I've been very encouraged by what I've, I've heard about Desarius Flowers in the early going. I think his ankle's finally getting healthy. I think he's somebody that, that he's kind of been not talked about because he committed so early. And then, as you said, you, you saw him in person being slowed by an injury. And he's even still said he, he would do whatever's good for the football team. He would play safety if he went to defense. I still think he's going to be a Jalston Fowler type, but maybe, you know, and help Alabama out as a, as a hybrid fullback, and with some but with some big playability, the ability to catch the ball and run the football. And I, I'm really excited about Desarius Flowers, and I'm really excited about Keaton Anderson, uh, Andrew Bone, and those guys. And John are down there, and they're talking about how fast he is. He's got a nose for the ball. I could have told him that, man. I know John's been high on him since he's seen him, and I've been high on him. I've seen him in person twice. Uh, and I've also watched a lot of film of him. You know, they're now, you know, Andrew Bones made a big deal about how he just doesn't have the size right now. Well, right now, of course not. I mean, he's about 6'1", 215 pounds. But the beautiful part about it is I think he moves well enough to be a safety. He can run in the four or fives. He'd be a strong safety, and he played a lot of safety this year. But I just really believe that Keaton Anderson is somebody that's going to be a really fine player for Alabama. And I'm really excited about him. And, and another guy I'm really excited about, and he's had a good week of practice thus far, is Anthony Jennings. Uh, I think he's a guy that is uh, will probably be a defensive end to start out, maybe a jack linebacker, stand-up linebacker. He's uh, he's looked really good in practice. He was I think he did take a rep or two from Lester Cotton yesterday. And he's uh, and it's, it wasn't publicized much at the week, you know, after it happened during the season, but. He led his Dable team to the only victory over the Leeds Green Wave, and the Leeds Green Wave were a machine this year. And he was a big factor on offense and defense against them. And I really love Anthony Jennings, and I really and I think uh, he's going to be a fine player. And I think I still am high on Christian Bell. There's some people that that they're not as high on him anymore, but I think he's a very fine player. And I still want to see what Alabama does with Daryl Williams. I think he's a kid. If you know, if they decide they want another linebacker, it's going to depend on what happens with Lorenzo Phillips this weekend. If, if they think that young man on his official visit can get the class he needs to be eligible and roll early, I'm sure Daryl will go to Auburn. But I think it's painfully obvious after people saw him speak in the Super Seven that Daryl Williams uh, would still come to Alabama in a heartbeat. Oh, you would too. I, I just uh, don't know that there's room. Uh, exactly. I guess I need to ask you something here on the fly. Uh, did uh, did Thomas indicate if uh, we had the full two hours uh, available if we wanted it? He said that we would. Well, it would be an hour, and that I think he said that we would hear the. Uh, the they would blog talk radio would tell us when they were going off, and that he would then uh, we would we would sign off, and then uh, he would edit it. He said it would be dead air, but he would edit it out. So he uh, he said it for one hour. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Okay. Well, then if that's the case, then it's nine o'clock now. I'm going to listen for it. I don't hear it. If you hear it, I, have, let me know. I have not heard anything. We'll just keep talking until we hear it because he, he might have left it on two hours and didn't realize it. And I'm not saying I want us to talk two hours. 
but huh. it's nine o'clock, and I don't think we're quite to the stopping point because I had another couple things I wanted to ask. Oh yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll just keep talking, and if Blog Talk tells us we're going to get down, we'll give y'all about a five-second warning, you listeners, and we thank y'all. They're listening live, and we thank y'all for listening on the on the uh, podcast. We haven't done any spots tonight, uh, and I need to do truth. I need to do two real quick. One is our barbecue sponsor. He, he really brought the he brought the heat that Drew and I I'll let you know for the Iron Bowl when he brought the triple threat. That's just one of his many dishes. The triple threat is Big Head's Barbecue, uh, three meats packed into one. Uh, and I hope Drew just went on mute because I'm talking. Uh, but uh, the triple threat is a piece of pork with uh, in the middle it has a little piece of sausage and it's wrapped in bacon and uh, drizzled in the, the sauce, uh, which is made by Big Head, which is great. Big Head's Barbecue can be reached... Uh, at BigHeadsBBQ.net uh, or on Twitter at BigHeadsBBQ. Uh, you can call him at 251-379-0094. And him is Chuck Peak, the owner and the head chef and bottle washer of Big Heads Barbecue. They do catering, private parties, and events. And they are the official barbecue sponsor of Bands Radio. They don't just do the triple threat. They do pork, chicken, brisket, beef, uh, ribs, any kind of barbecue you want. They do it. That's Big Heads Barbecue. Chuck Peak, you know him, you love him, and if you had his barbecue, you can't live without him. And uh, his fixings are pretty good, too, with the coleslaw and the baked beans and, and what have you. So uh, if you got any kind of uh, church or social event or athletic event or anything that needs catering, and you're anywhere, just lose the spouse, he's your man, and you can call him at 251-379-0094. That's Chuck Peak at Big Head's Barbecue. Also, uh, I'd like to invite everyone to check out scout.com and bamamag.com because we are offering travel packages to the Sugar Bowl. These packages include hotels and tickets. Uh, you, you really need to check it out. Uh, you can, there's a lot of different options, you know, buses, planes, however when you get to New Orleans, you can check it out. There's, there's six or seven options you can use. Go to bamamag.com, and uh, you'll see all the links for the travel specials we have for the Sugar Bowl game in New Orleans on January the 1st against Ohio State. And I cannot emphasize enough, these packages do include game tickets and hotels and whatever else you need, flight, bus, whatever, you name it, we got it. Uh, hope to see all our BAMS radio listeners, BAMAMAG.com subscribers, AlabamaIntel.com subscribers, all y'all that can get to the Sugar Bowl. It didn't mean nothing last year when Bird wasted his time going, but it does this year. So. And uh, we'll probably even have a, a BAMS radio event one night, maybe a dinner at Commander's Palace or something like that. Uh, you have to pay your own way. But really, go to BAMAMAG.com and check out our travel special for the Sugar Bowl. we got all kind of uh, affordable packages, and they do include tickets. So that's my little plug for that. And, uh, Drew, if you're still there, come on back, because i got a few more questions to ask. Uh, yep. There he is. Uh, so, Drew, uh, if apparently we haven't been cut off yet, so we'll just keep rolling until uh, we come to a stopping point. I wanted to ask you, now, we had John Garcia lined up for the second hour tonight, but we can't take calls because our producer, in case y'all are tuning in late, Thomas Watts has an exam tonight in South Alabama. Uh, so they changed it on him. So he couldn't be here. He got us started, and we've just been kind of ripping back and forth for the last hour and five minutes or so, uh, which has been fun, uh, but we can't take calls or play spots or anything like that. So, Drew, uh, the other guy we were going to have on tonight, and we're going to have him next week, uh, Central Gwinnett, uh, outside of Atlanta, Snellville, Georgia area, uh, head coach Todd Wofford, who coaches current brand-new commitment to Thomas, 
but also was offensive coordinator in high school for Blake Sims. So that should be some kind of cool interview next week. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, Coach Wofford been in contact with him the last couple of days, and he's really excited about it. He told me tonight he'd even told Blake about the interview and that he was coming on. And so we hope to have Big Hero 6 listening next week, hopefully to us. Uh, you know, Coach Wofford coached him in high school and uh, at Gainesville, Georgia, before going on to, to build the program at Central Gwinnett in Lawrenceville. And uh, obviously, you know, Adonis Thomas, his pupil, star pupil, had a great year this year. I believe they got to the second round of playoffs. They're seven and five. Uh, Adonis had 120 tackles and 11 sacks. He's a guy that can go sideline to sideline. Six foot four, 229 pounds. Uh, you know, can run in the four or five. Just has a lot of potential. You know, I could say C.J. Mosley. Don't want to make you know. Don't want to put that kind of pressure on him. But well, that's I, what I thought of when I saw his film, dude. Yeah. I, but I will say this, I, I compared him in the very least to Dylan Lee as far as versatility, could play inside and out, and except with bigger upside. And I just think that, uh, that, that Adonis is the number one linebacker on their board. He's a huge commitment. And we hope to have him on with Coach Wofford next week. We're going to effort for that too. But uh, we really hope to have uh, him, on in the, the, him on next week. Also, I think next week our focus is going to be a lot on recruiting, Kerry, even though oh, yeah. I know – practice is going to start back up soon for Alabama, but we're going to focus on recruiting with the dead period coming up. Also hope the effort to have uh, to hear from Blake Barnett and his father soon, So because he will soon be going to the Under Armour game and then enrolling early, and once that happens, he's, you know, he's Alabama's, so we hope to hear from them one more time in their journey and kind of catch up on how yeah, we should probably get them week after next if we're going to have Wofford and Garcia both next week. But, hey, that's cool. Yeah. Go ahead and put them on the yeah. docket for week after next. That's a great idea. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, yeah. Another thing about Adonis Thomas, who is the latest member of the Alabama football family movement, he was downgraded today to a soft verbal by John and the folks at Scout because that the policy is that if you take an official visit somewhere else, you no longer consider a solid verbal. Right, and right. he has taken an official to Georgia this weekend but my understanding is that nobody in Alabama is too terribly concerned about this. Well, and I had seen reports. He told uh, Rodney Orr and Drew Champlin he wasn't sure if he was going to take the visit or wasn't sure he was going to take any more visits. Now, I guess he's decided to take the visit to Georgia. Um, you know, it, I, I really don't put too much stock in it. I think I'll, he, I, he chose to commit to Alabama for a reason. Uh, his mother – Gave the gave the uh, the okay, and she's very big in his recruiting and process. Forever. Yes, and she was very very tight with Will Muschamp, who ironically could still end up coaching him. So I mean, I think that he he's got a very tight relationship with Kirby Smart and without and with Nick Saban, and uh, I just look for him to sign with Alabama in the end. I think he took a very you know methodical approach to this. He also heavily considered LSU. That he hasn't officially visited there, but uh, I, I really believe uh, that he's going to uh, fit. And then, and let's not also uh, let's not misunderstand. He may be visiting Georgia officially this weekend, Kerry, but he's still slated to be in Tuscaloosa on what should be Alabama's biggest uh, recruiting weekend of the cycle, and that's January 16th, uh, four days after the hopeful national championship game appearance for the Tide. So Adonis is not an early enrollee. He is not. Well, somebody that is, uh, that we've had on this show before, but then he flipped to Georgia, 
But Alabama just had another in-home with Jonathan Ludlow. Yes, and he actually officially visited for the Iron Bowl, Kerry. Uh, yeah, I didn't read that. But, I mean, they went to his – they had a visit with him, either his house or his school in the last couple of yeah. days. And apparently Alabama hadn't quit on Jonathan Ledbetter. No, I think they really like him as a prospect. They've continued to recruit him uh, very hard. They have not backed away even when he flipped. Do I? But I've always felt like he, for him, the, the chances of him flipping back were very remote uh, with his brother uh, being on the football team at UGA. Yeah, and that was a, a unique effort by Mark Rick to, to pull that off. Uh, anyway, uh, so Alabama's got a couple of kids uh, coming in this weekend, Drew. Yes, yes. Very. Uh, we mentioned one already. Uh, they've got two very big junior college transfers, uh, prospects coming in. DJ Jones, who, you know, we've talked about on this show quite a bit, is a six foot two, three hundred and twenty five pound uh interior defensive tackle slash nose guard at East Mississippi Community College. He is uh a guy that Alabama has wanted. Bo Davis is is coveted for a long time. Um he's uh been on co- on campus a bunch unofficially. Has been committed since July to Florida State University, but has officially visited there, officially visited Ole Miss recently for the Egg Bowl, has been to South Carolina and Auburn. This will be his fifth and final official visit, Kerry, uh, but he's very close to D.J. Petway and his former teammate uh, and and also uh, Jaron Reed, and they're trying to sell him on the fact to come in and take Brandon Ivory's place and, uh, and could even need uh, to help ease the loss of Jaron. Jaron is his stock has risen in the NFL's people's eyes to maybe a second-round draft pick. Still think you need to talk to Nick Saban about that. You don't want to. You don't want to end up being a third or fourth rounder. But again, he's had a very dominant second half of the season. But they've done a nice job recruiting DJ, and it's going to be interesting to see. He's going to make his final decision after the official visit, and he signs on December 17th. And then once again, Alabama's trying to pull a double whammy like they did last year out of East Mississippi. His teammate, Lorenzo Phillips, that I mentioned already, former LSU linebacker, is coming on a visit too. Still trying to find out word about one last course he took. If he gets this class, if he gets the grade he needs, he will be able to enroll early and, in my opinion, will sign with Alabama. And I think the chances he must like his chances of passing this course considering he's coming on the official visit. So, to me, Lorenzo Phillips could end up being the last linebacker piece and enroll early, hopefully with D.J. Jones. But both those guys are takes, and they would both back count, which is along with Bo Scarborough, which is huge. And then we're, at, we're efforting to confirm this. I've not heard back from his coach, but another GAC transfer that's been rumored to visit is Monquavius Lewis, a very good pass rusher from Hutchinson Community College in Kansas, and he's committed to South Carolina. But as you know right now, Kerry, they do not have a defensive coordinator, He's a very good pass rusher, one of the best in the country. Been committed since July to South Carolina. But there's rumors he may be coming into town this weekend, along with two offensive linemen, uh, you know, Matt Womack from Hernando, Mississippi, and then a reclassified young man. uh, I'll butcher the name maybe a little bit here, but Chahidi Valentine Okiki is coming in as well. He's already visited Georgia officially and Auburn right now, and he will be coming in this weekend to take a third visit to Tuscaloosa. 
And uh, on the weekly offensive tackle synopsis, uh, it yes. appears Maryland has taken the lead now for Isaiah Prince, but he's still going to visit in January, correct? Correct. January the 16th. I knew there would be some talk about him, you know, leaning towards staying home. But if Alabama gets him on campus on the 16th, I still like Alabama's chances. He's at the top of Alabama's board. Uh, Mario Cristobal wants him very badly. And if he comes to visit Alabama, Kerry, I still like the Tide's chances in that situation. Uh, I know it's the backyard school, but uh, at Alabama, there's a big difference between Alabama football and Maryland slash Big Ten football. And speaking of backyard schools, Drew, I know that uh, Oxford is in Memphis' backyard. Yep. But apparently Alabama hadn't given up on Cliff and Drew Richmond. They were off in uh, right. Correct. It was very ironic, Kerry, that he ended up coming to the Iron Bowl instead of the Egg Bowl. Uh, for a, he wasn't an official visit, I believe. It was a, a Still, though, you have to take yeah. the gas in your car. Yeah. Take the time yeah. Yes. Yes. That, yes. That's, it's pretty telling to me that it's not over. That it's not over, and that they're they're going to continue to recruit Drew Richmond until he signs, and he's a very fine prospect as well. And the Alabama wants to wants to add at least one more offensive tackle. Oh, they have to. Class and, uh, and they'll find someone. But uh, hopefully it's going to be Isaiah Prince. And if they decide to, I'm still not 100% convinced that they're going to, they want to take Walmack. But it, that's also going to depend on what Prince wants to do. But we'll see there. I also was told this week that I know this is going to shock you, Kerry, that the Ole Miss Rebels may eventually flip Matt Walmack. To them? Yes. Well, I mean, that's possible. Alabama hadn't gave up on him yet. Either. They had him in home or in school with him this week. They have. It's, it's, it's really hard to say what Matt Womack's going to do. I mean, and, and so did Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And you know how hard it is to recruit in the state of Mississippi for the obvious reasons. And uh, and plus, Ole Miss and State are coming off really good seasons. So it'll make it even harder. But again, we'll just have to see what they decide to do. Uh, that's going to be very interesting to see what happens uh, down the stretch uh, as far as that goes. I still like Alabama's chances. I knew Maryland would make a run. I think he's already visited Maryland officially, Prince has. So Alabama getting the last visit is big to me, and I know they're going to roll out their super red carpet with what Cristobal thinks of Isaiah Prince. And it's all, for Isaiah Prince, Michael Oxley's a dangerous recruiter, but he's going to have to make a business decision and, uh, you know, I'm hoping he'll be shown the signing bonuses for several Alabama offensive linemen over the last five years. You know, Drew, uh, I know he's telling people that he's waiting to see who Jim McElwain puts on his defensive staff, but it right. seems Alabama's making a little bit of a move on C.C. Jefferson. Well, they were in his house today. I know they're not giving up, Gary. Uh, they're certainly not going to give up on Byron Coward either. Uh, both of those guys are very fine players, but I will be beyond shocked if either one of them leave the state of Florida. I mean, now I know people can use it against FSU. Now they took they got Josh Sweat tonight, who many people think is the number one defensive player in America, and some people think he's the number one prospect in America from Oscar Smith High School, the infamous home of one Philip Sims. Uh, he, we'll, we'll never get another player there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he committed to uh, to uh, Florida State tonight, and he's a defensive end, more like a Jadavion Clowney type guy, from what people say. Um, you know, and but Byron Cowart, I still think it's, if if Coach Mack keeps Coach Lawing, the defensive line coach of the Gators, 
after the bowl game. I think it's going to be very, very tough uh, to get C.C. Uh, Jefferson and Cowart out of the state of Florida. I just really do. I just, I think ultimately they're both going to stay in state. Drew, uh, we've been his biggest cheerleader, but uh, John and everybody else covering practice this week down in Montgomery have been singing the praises of Keith Keith Now, that being said, how do you characterize what's going on now with with David Charlotte and what it could mean for Keith Nixon? Well, well, uh, you know, this is another one, Kerry, and I've called this for a while. I I do not think David Charlotte is coming to Alabama. I felt like the decommitment was coming as soon as he came on his official to LSU. Um, and now he's decommitted but not committed anywhere. But I just think he's going to – I think it's telling, Kerry. I don't even think he said it's official to Alabama. He never came to a game at Alabama this year, even the Iron Bowl. That is telling. And he was seen at a few LSU games. Was seen, And John Garcia said on our show that he's been seen in LSU attire in a lot of places, and that's when John had started really, you know, put, saying his commitment was soft, and John was correct, and I just think Daylon will sign with LSU. I'm hoping now Alabama wants a slot guy. I have been, as you have to, championing the, the cause of Keith Mixon, yeah. um, but I still think Alabama's going to try to set up an official visit with Ryan Davis from right. St. Petersburg, Florida area. Lane Kiffin's been to see him. He supposedly had a really good senior year. He's also very good friends with Byron Cowart. So we will see. Uh, now, he has not said an official visit to Alabama yet, but it, was, it, was, it has told uh, Rodney Orr, a friend of our show, that he was thinking seriously about doing that very soon. So I still think they want a slot guy, especially losing Dayline. But the name to watch, Kerry Clark, next week coming for his official visit, and I firmly expect him to end up in the Alabama signing class is Lawrence Cager from the Maryland area. And if he verbally commits, maybe he can help Alabama with a, with a Isaiah Prince. Well, that's, that's a good point. It just uh, I, I keep looking for signs that, that Keith's going to get an offer, and I just, I'm just not seeing them. I, I thought Dalen's decommitment might be one, but they right. keep finding you guys to bring in. So I guess it's just not in the cards unless something drastically changes. Well, and, and you told me this yourself. You saw him out out of you know up close, and I've seen him up close. He is really about five eight, one seventy five. He's very I'm small, bad, but he's very very elusive and very very good. And all I'll say is this: If Mississippi State's fortunate enough to sign him to a letter of intent on in, on February the fourth, they're getting a really good player. They are an explosive guy. They'll they'll give him a good kick return and a good receiver for four years. Uh, Kind of like Marquise Mays, but maybe a tiny bit faster. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wish they could find a way to fill them out most fast. And I think the Alabama coaches know that if it ever comes down to it, it he's just one phone call away from committing. Yeah, and they may want to see what happens with Ryan Davis. And obviously they're going to try to get Cager into the uh, – and they probably have, they haven't given up yet on Terry Godwin, though. I think that ship is sailing. That's I think so, too. I think so, too. Um, I don't know if Marty's still listening or not, but I hope he is because I want to give him the participation chart. Uh, and I think I agree with most of it, although they've got a walk-on play in, but I don't recall seeing it in there, but I could just miss it. Uh, against uh, Missouri in the 42-13 to victory in the SEC Championship game this past Saturday in the Georgia Dome, the University of Alabama played 58 young men. Uh, the starters on offense, Cam Robinson, Ari Kwanjo, Ryan Kelly, 
uh, Blake Sims, Leon Brown, Austin Shepard, Brian Bozer, Jocelyn Fowler, T.J. Yeldon, Amari Cooper, and Andrew White. Defense, the starters were Jonathan Allen, A. Sean Robinson, Jaron Reed, Xavier Dixon, Trey DePriest, Randy Ragland, uh, Cyrus Jones, uh, Landon Collins, Geno Smith, and uh, Derrick Henry. And uh, T.J. Yeldon also started on offense. I got him down here on defense. But anyway, uh, off the bench, Alabama played a lot of guys to get to 58. Uh, they played Chris Black, Nick Perry, uh, you might as well be a starter. Tony Brown, Tyron Jones, who's really moved up in the taking order, Bradley Sylvie, uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, Ryan Anderson, Cam Sims, Corin Curvin. He's kind of come from out of nowhere. Uh, Robert Foster, who's now on just about every special team. So that would give him some. Yeah, he, he almost blocked a punt against uh, uh, Missouri. He did a nice job. Deshaun Hand, uh, Adam Griffith, uh, Sean Beyond Hamilton, um, or Darius Stewart, J.K. Scott, Cooper Bateman, Jarrett Williams, Maurice Smith, Christian Jones, uh, Jonathan Cook, although these rocket scientists listed him as David Cornwell, it was Jonathan Cook, uh, Gabriel Washington, not his best day, uh, Dylan Lee, Austin Kempenny, becoming quite a special team player. And now they got Jared Beerbauer, the walk on him, 31 getting in. I don't know when that would have been. But anyway, they said he did. Rashawn Evans, uh, Big Shank Taylor, uh, Dalvin Thomason, uh, he's walked the science. We've had Josh Dixon, but it was Cole Mazza doing number 55, not Josh Dixon. Uh, Tim Williams, B.J. Petway, Malcolm Fashon, Parker Barino, uh, O.J. Howard, uh, Brandon Green. <laughs> These brilliant people have it as Bernal Jones. There's Brandon Green, number 89. Uh, Dakota Ball and Brandon Ivory. I think they're going to have to hire me to sit with the people that do these participation charts when they put them together so they'll quit putting these people on there that, that, that didn't get in the game. Uh, and I'm not convinced that Jared Beerbauer, number 31, got in, but they say he did. I was trying to think if there was another number 31 that could have been, but he's the only one I'm thinking of. So maybe he got in and laid on special teams or something. I don't know. Uh, perhaps he did. But anyway, it was 58 guys that got in, or, or 57 maybe. Uh, I think 58 that got in. So uh, that's who played, Marty, if you're listening. And we'll do this again, even though, uh, well, I will be at the Sugar Bowl, uh, by all accounts. Uh, and if they are fortunate enough to advance to Jerry World in the championship, I won't be able to make that trip, but I'll be able to pull the participation chart off of com. So we'll continue that tradition of giving it. We give it. We gave it about every week. We missed one or two weeks when we didn't get Marty on the phone or didn't get around to doing it. But uh, I tell you, uh, we said we were going to do an hour, and it's now been an hour and 23 minutes. So, Drew, I think I'm about out of gas. Do you have anything you want to add before we sign off? I just wanted to say a little bit about the basketball program, Kerry. You know, they they had a tough loss Saturday uh, in a a tough place to play, uh, the Centaur Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, against a – very fine program, Xavier, who I don't even consider a mid-major anymore. They're a very consistent program under Chris Mack. And they beat Alabama 97-84, and a lot of people were already, you know, down on the team and, oh, here we go and all this. But I think they scored 84 points. They didn't shoot very well in the first half. They were down 41-30 to at half. Levi was scoreless. He scored 15 in the second half, and they shot the ball very, very well. But uh, Xavier just shot the lights out. And it's a little bit disconcerting to give up 97 in a game. 
But to me, I think they can improve defensively as the year goes along. I'm more encouraged by the offense and, once again, being able to put 80 points on the board. And uh, I'm still very excited about this group and optimistic. Um, I'm hoping the, 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 only other, the only other, I think, non-winnable game in the pre-conference schedule to me is, is which, at Wichita State. I'm hoping that they can, before conference play they can run the table besides that and get up a nice record, you know, before SEC play. But I'm still optimistic about this team. And I and I, and I think so many people aren't. They're just looking at box scores. They're not really watching the team play. I hope they start doing so, especially you know with UCLA coming to town December the 28th. I hope to be at that game, and especially with some very winnable games coming up, including the next one on the SEC Network against Tennessee Tech. But I still think this basketball team is vastly improved, Kerry, and uh, nine to ten deep. And much more fun to watch, and I hope the fans will come out and support them. Yeah, I, I would like to uh, invite anybody that's within an hour of Tuscaloosa, uh, or hour and a half of Tuscaloosa, to try to get there Saturday night at 8 o'clock when they play Tennessee Tech. If not, uh, like Drew said, it's on SP Network, so check it out. I think you'll like what you see. The offensive ball movement's improved. Uh, the bench is deeper, as Drew accurately pointed out. Uh, I think they're playing a little harder. Uh, not always smarter. Right, right. Uh, the smarter will come as they continue to mesh as a unit and gain more team chemistry. Uh, they got plenty of chemistry off the court, but it still must be developed on the court. But I see good signs. Uh, I chose not to watch the DVR of that game once I read about it and, and saw a couple of TV highlights and read the box score and all that. I chose not to watch it. I was hoping you did. I'm glad you did. Um, and I'll have to DVR and watch later the uh, uh, Tennessee Tech game. I've got another engagement to be at this Saturday. But uh, and I may already be in New Orleans when they play UCLA. I'm not sure if I'm going to 28th and 29th yet. That's still being worked out. But if Kirk goes early, I may cover the UCLA game and go the next morning. But I think they may be having a, a coordinator and, and player press conference for the offense at 28th. But I'm trying to get all that ironed out before I figure all that out. I'm not worried about it right now. We'll talk about that next week. Um, I would like to ask the people in the uh, SEC office and the people that work at Georgia Dome uh, next year, uh, <laughs> Do not let the transcribers leave before we send out the Alabama quotes, as happened to us this past Saturday night. Basically, if you didn't go get your own Alabama quotes, which thank God I did, you didn't get any. Uh, but, you know, usually you get quotes from both teams. All we got Saturday was the Missouri's coach, Gary Pinkle, we didn't get anything else. So that was, oh, wow. that was brutal. Uh, made it tough to write an article. And uh, anyway, I did what I could, though. And uh, secondly, uh, if you're going to put out pizzas for our dinner, thank you for that. But please don't put the drink machines up when you put the pizzas out because we need something to wash our pizza down besides just uh-huh. lining up at the water fountain. That being said, that's the end of that little rant. I was glad to have been there and it's fun getting hit by streamers and stepping on athletic tape on the field and all that. That's all cool. Uh, it's always It never gets old. And, and, I, and Coach Saban said this, and I'll say it too, Drew. It never gets old winning the SEC. Uh, we, we won a national championship under Saban in the year we didn't win the SEC. Uh, we got shortchanged on the kick six last year and didn't even make it to Atlanta. We would have destroyed Missouri last year. Uh, this year we got there and got number 24. I think next in line is Tennessee with 13. There's a big drop-off after us. Uh, but it never gets old winning the SEC, and, and it was fun to be a small part of it. And uh, so hats off to the team. But we got two more steps to go on this road to glory. Yeah, we really do, and I'm looking forward to the – to continue in the journey. Uh, 
I, I like the matchup with Ohio State. Alabama's going to have to slow. I, his offense is a little bit different. Still, you can't reinvent the wheel. He's got better tailbacks than he had at Florida. I mean, last year he had Carlos Hyde. This year he's got Ezekiel Elliott, who's a 1,400-yard rusher. It uh, looks like to me Cardell Jones, the big lumbering guy, he's not a dynamic runner. He's someone like Zach that they're going to have to swarm to and run to the football. And I'm sure they're going to take shots with their wide receiver core. Uh, they, that's basically he only threw 17 times, and that's basically how they, they uh, got the ball in the end zone through the air against Wisconsin was to throw the ball vertically. And I'm sure that's going to happen again. But uh, I also think – uh, you know, offensively, Alabama's going to have to mix it up and attack. And I'm going to tell you what, Kerry, Alabama wanted him badly and recruited him hard, and Joey Bosa is the real deal. They're going to have to find a way to get him blocked. Uh, the Shane, Just like Shane Ray, he's got like 14 sacks, 13 and a half, probably the best defensive player in the Big Ten. Uh, Joseph Perry, their middle linebacker, is very good. And their uh, best defensive back, Kerry, is someone that Alabama fans will be very familiar with, Vaughn Bell. Yeah, we remember Vaughn. Vaughn waited too late, though. He could he could have had. It. I think Alabama pulled his offer at the end, but whatever. They did for Eddie Jackson. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, there you have it. Uh, we've gone almost an hour and a half now. I, I think it's time to go ahead and shut this week down. We're sorry we couldn't take calls, and we're sorry we didn't have our guests, but that'll all be fixed next week with Thomas back as our producer. So uh, for Drew the Armand of AlabamaIntel.com. I am Kerry Clark of BamaMag.com. We thank you for listening to this unplugged edition of BAM's Radio, a member of the Bama Sports Radio family. Good night, everybody, and roll tide. Roll tide.